Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Yeah. I had to fail. For the final time for the English Test Summer, it's a final word daily with Adam Collins and Daniel Norcross. Brought to you by the Advanced Hair Studio, the world leaders in hair restoration. A very brief final day. It lasted 26 minutes, Daniel. You've got 30 seconds to deal with. Go. <laughs> England needed 33 to win, and all the talk of the TMS box was about the sweepstake. <laughs> I went for 11.24, and after Lees got out, having been dropped a couple of times, it all looked a bit shaky. Then Ollie Pope looked like he was going to take me to 11.24. <laughs> Unfortunately, he reverse swept a, a thing into his jaw, which meant that he had to have treatment, and England won at 11.25 and 50 seconds, so I missed <laughs> out by literally 20 seconds. What was the uh, what was riding on it? Was there a few throwing in the hat? No, nah, just honour. I, w- I would have thrown some, some quids in the hat. I also, I, I'd come in thinking it was going to be 31 balls because I'd walked 31 steps up the escalator. Okay. And it was about 27, I think, in the end. So I was, I was out, I was marginally out here and there. But, you know, it was fairly predictable. Um, Lee's dismissal took a, a little longer to happen than it might otherwise have done. He was dropped at... Dropped by the wicketkeeper. He was. Uh, and then he, he was actually out, wasn't he, when it was overturned on review and none yep. of us really thought that it was going to happen. But that was the one. I mean, it wasn't even a glimmer of hope, was it? South Africa never had a hope this morning. And it all felt a bit strange. But what was lovely was that there were a bunch of people here to watch and there are a bunch of people who work here and they will get a full day's pay, I believe. Yes. And so uh, one of the things that did irk me about people saying this test match shouldn't go ahead, you know, for respect for the late Queen was that a lot of the people who work here in the middle of a cost of living crisis really do actually need to get work. This is the last day of a test match at the Oval. They managed to eke it out to that point. It is kind of daft and silly. They only needed 33 runs, but we know know a lot of the people who work around here at the Oval, and I'm delighted for them at least. And obviously delighted for Ben Stokes, Brendan McCullum and, and whatnot. I was going to say the same thing in the Hall of Fame, actually, that we gave a lot of, lot of grief to the powers that be for the way that day, well, it was day one effectively, but day three ended, which set things back yesterday. But yeah, exactly that, especially uh, given when football had the plug pulled on it uh, a couple of days ago. And not unreasonably, I, I get the arguments both ways, but when cricket cracked on, it did mean that the you know, members of the community who are on lower wages, zero yeah. hour contracts and that kind of thing. So uh, that is a positive to take from today. Um, Ollie Pope did try and finish it with a six. I, on the Guardian cover, I, I said something like, he will try and finish this with a six next over. It was the reverse sweep option, as you say, top yeah. edge into his grill kind of thing. But um, And McCullum on the, uh, on the Sky interview that he did after the test was over said that the only thing he was angry about today was that Pope didn't try to hit another reverse sweep the next ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, something to the effect of if you do it once, then they're less likely to bowl it in this. Anyway, point 
point being is that it was all over so briskly in just under 26 minutes and thus ends a, a fairly ordinary series, certainly as far as batting mm. is concerned and the balance between bat and ball. When we finished recording yesterday, we were, we were talking off air about the fact that we, we feel a bit flat, uh, mm. like we've been a bit shortchanged. And that's not on account of the fact that we've seen some excellent bowling, but just that you don't want to see series finish as quickly as this. In terms of balls bowled, I had a chat with Zoltz downstairs a moment ago. It's the shortest three test series since the 19th century. Uh, completed series, over three test matches, yeah. that is. Yeah, so, not, not the rate effect ones, that's not, not, no right, point. Yeah, you exclude yep. one right, yep. incredibly rain affected series uh, in the mid-90s, I think it was. But in terms of series actually played, and that's all you really need, need to know about how little resistance there was. And sure, as Stuart Broad said on Sky after play, there was considerable assistance on all three surfaces for bowlers in ways that he's never seen in England before, his words. Um, but still, uh, there, there was something lacking in this series <laughs> and a bit flat that it's all over. Yeah, it's really hard to assess, isn't it? I mean, you wonder, would very great batting sides have done better? You know, India have got a very fine batting unit. Australia have got some top-notch batters. It'd be interesting to see how Smith and Labashain, David Warner had coped out there. But there are just some terrifying raw statistics, aren't there? Um, the, the numbers one to four, and look, I'm not going to do root maths, but numbers one to four average 28 from both countries across the entire summer, actually. Right. Now, if you take out Root, who <laughs> got a bunch of hundreds, then there's, there's no runs at the top of the order. Uh, numbers five to seven were scoring the runs, and that's slightly a function of the ball we've talked about quite a lot. But it's also, I think, a function of techniques, of the pitches that we had. The pitches were very sporty. Apart from Trent Bridge this whole summer, they've been very sporty. True. And this three-test series, I suppose it was tricky for ground staff because we'd had that intensely hot summer. And so English grounds are not used to 40-degree heat. Um, which meant preparation was quite tricky. I think they were over, what well, not overwatered. They had to be heavily watered in order to counter the fact that this was the hottest summer we've had, you know, since records began. And that meant there's perhaps a little bit more grass on it. Meant that come the first day, and it was first innings every time, wasn't it? Every yeah. first innings in this series, the side was bundled out. Whoever batted first. Here, the trend continued, and I think in part because you know we're in September as well, and so you know there's more moisture, and there's been a lot of rain around just in the build-up to this game. So all of those are exonerating factors for the batters. But at the same time, I look at the South African batting lineup and I look at, you know, at, at the England batting lineup as well, but it's more marked as South Africa. The loss of Bavuma, the loss of Rassi van der Dusen, this side looked really undercooked. You know, the likes of Ryan Rickleton, Kaya Zondo, would have been very unused to English conditions. Yeah. And they're up against two all-time greats in Broad and Anderson and a guy, Ollie Robinson, who's startlingly good you yeah. know if it, he's got to 50 wickets at an average of under 20 first man to do that since Ian Botham for England in 1978 I think it is so that gives you an idea of what they were up against so it felt I, I think what you mean by you feel flat and I get this is that it felt like an uneven struggle between bat and ball yeah and you never saw partnerships develop at least in early summer we had the great Mitchell Blundell stuff what we would have given in. for some Mitchell and what Blundell wanted a bit of Mitchell and Blundell <laughs> and yeah and, and that wasn't there but I mean can we complain it was exciting we got results we only had a three day game here because of the unique circumstances surrounding the Queen's death so uh, it sort of took these two teams and that pitch to make sure that we could get a result yeah and look I guess I'm just sick of recording these podcasts effectively on day three. We've had so yeah. many three-day test matches in uh, in the last 24 months. In saying that, we've had some brilliant test cricket around the world as well. People have described it as a gold major test cricket the last five years. And I, and I share that view uh, in a lot of ways. But, yeah, maybe we've been spoiled. And when it doesn't quite play out, we, we get a, a sniff to frustrated. And, look, we should 
back over how well England bowled. Ollie Robinson was player of the match, seven wickets here. Said on the day one podcast, I've rarely seen a better spell in England. Broad seven wickets for the match, passing Glenn McGrath. James Anderson up to 667 test wickets. Interesting hearing Broad talk after play about his own longevity, knowing that he wasn't far away from pulling the pin. He and Anderson didn't play in the Windies earlier this year. And now his focus (laughs) is straight away turned to how is he going to take the next step between now and when Australia arrive next year. Noting it's improbable he'll play in Pakistan due to the the birth of his first child, which I think roughly clashes. I think the baby might be due the week before they're meant to set off. So I doubt they'll pick him uh, or he won't be available for selection anyway. So a couple of test matches in New Zealand, but he's talking about his aerobic fitness saying that He's inspired by the way Anderson's kept his body in such great nick in the last few summers. He's going to try and uh, get in the slipstream of Jimmy on that front. And next year, he wants to bowl even longer spells at the Australians because that's what Stokes wants of them. Stokes wants of the three quicks to bowl long spells, probing spells, Mm. partly to hold himself back. And even the fitness of Robinson, enabling him to do that. In Australia, late last year and earlier this year, he wasn't bowling those kind of long probing spells that we saw at Manchester and at the Oval. So, you know, with Anderson taking, what was it, 27 wickets at 17 through this series, or through the summer, I should say. Uh, Broad doing just about everything right through the back half of the summer. Robinson back in the mix. They'll, they'll be the first three names on the team sheet for England, aside from the captain next year. And none of them are talking about, well, I mean, by none of them, I mean Broad and Anderson, uh, thinking about any farewell laps now or, or over mm. the winter either. They are bang up for Australia. They are, and let's bear a little thought for Matthew Potts, because yeah. he arrived into this England team in June as a, as not a nobody, but but you, you had to be a bit of a cricket nuffy, really, to know much about Potts, and he really surprised people with his metronomic accuracy, his bounce, his skiddiness, and um, the moment Dolly Robinson gets back in, you're thinking, how do we, how does how does Potts fit in? Well, he might fit in in Pakistan because True. Broad might not be out there. Uh, look, you you've commentated in Pakistan, you've seen those pitches. I've just seen the scores. And they look to me like incredibly difficult places to play in inverted commas, basketball. How do you, how do you mm. uh, uh, put the pressure back on? I mean, what 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 kind of a bowling attack is going to be able to do this? Because like, one of the key things that's come out of Stokes and his captaincy, we talk a lot about the approach with the bat, but in, with the ball, not interested in conserving runs, not interested in the Andrew Strauss approach. Not that he, he criticised that approach, but he said that's not my approach. My approach is the bowlers got to get wickets all the time. Well, you, you, you difficult to get wickets any time in Pakistan, let alone all the time. This is going to be fascinating. So even Stokes this afternoon in his interview uh, on the field with Butch, you know, he chips Butch at one stage when he um, asked him a, not a sharp question. He simply acknowledged that he'd been critical of some of Stokes' decision making with the bat this summer, and I think that's quite reasonable. And Stokes' reflex was to get, Sto- you know, to slap him down, kind of alpha dog move type thing. Um, I don't think Stokes takes criticism overly well as a as a starting point. It can be quite scratchy at that, if but that happens. Towards yeah. the end of the interview, he kind of acknowledged that uh, the way they play cricket in conditions like, well, if it is similar to when Australia were there, they were con- concrete slaps, right? They might be different when England are there. They might, that being the Pakistan uh, powers that be, decide to provide more sporting surfaces but in all probability they will be incredibly hard incredibly flat and it'll be a patience game and that's not what this summer was all about it was seldom about patience it was about Mm. the speed in which you could dismiss your opposition broad reflected on the fact that he barely had a cover for him for the whole summer Whereas for the rest of his career, he's kind of always had someone at cover to protect against the floating yeah. half volley. The, cl- the clues in the name cover. Yeah, to use, yeah. His, to use his word, the floating yeah. half volley, which he wasn't permitted to bowl this summer. Well, in Pakistan, you do need a couple of covers, right? So, yeah, it'll be a mindset shift, I suppose, about 
how they can play the 15-day test match that Pat Cummins spoke of when they won over there. So it wasn't about winning one day or one session. It was about winning across 15 tough days, many of those spent in the field, where I think there were 11 sessions in Pakistan in that three-test three, three test series where a wicket didn't fall, where two wow. batters batted the whole way through a session. Well, I mean, and, and to put that into context, in the previous game, like the longest partnership was about nine overs. Yeah. So yeah. that, so that, it, is, that be, is totally different. It, it is. So how they set up in terms of selection, I would say that Anderson will need to play because he can generate reverse swing with his uh, with his exquisite skill. They'll need to play at least a second spin and maybe even considering a third if Moen Ali is available for selection and they want to um, mix the batting line up to have Moen Ali in the mix, presumably with Leach, who has had seldom had to bowl in this They're series. two overs in this match. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. Ajaz Patel at Lords mm. back at the start of the summer and presumably Parkinson as the, as the wrist-spinning option. And yeah, like, it, it will require a complete change of attitude because if they go out there and try and bat at four or five and over, look, it might work, but it, it's it's not the way we've seen teams win in Pakistan. So can they make that adjustment as quickly as two and a half months from now? That, that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, uh, only thing is, I mean, I, I'm very hesitant to say that it's the wrong thing to do because having been completely bamboozled, baffled and had all my critical faculties mangled <laughs> throughout this summer, you know, on such things as, as Ben Stokes is batting. You know, my, my abiding memory of Ben Stokes is batting is to think, there's some fairly crazy shots, but actually, if you look at his innings, two single-figure scores, one in the first match and yep. one in, in the last match. In between times, you know, he's got, he's got hundreds, he's got match-winning 70-odd in tandem with Johnny Bairstow. Yep. Uh, he's made important contributions. It's just the manner of his doing it. And I think we all, having watched lots of Test cricket, think, well, if he could have been a bit nuanced in the way he did it, he might have scored loads of runs. But actually, he's averaged 40. Well, the one time... And he's coming at six, and, he, and he's contributing massively with the ball this summer. What is it, 17, 18 wickets this summer? Well, so, 10 in his series and player of the series. Yeah. The clear standout player of the series. So, yeah, yeah I, I think we've... It, it's going to be an across-the-board thing, isn't it? You know, and look, let's remember that they confounded expectations throughout the summer. They won one of their previous 17 test matches. Mm. I would say their loss in Australia this winter was the worst of the set of bad losses from 02-03 onwards. That, yeah, that was it was the, dismal, really. It, it, yeah. it, was, it was dispiriting from go to woe. Nobody um, enjoyed covering that series, and it's such a strange thing, even when England have lost Ashes series before. There have been moments. Yeah, there have been moments. There's but, been but a win, this, or there's been yeah. some competitive tension. There was none of that, with the exception of the final day at Sydney, where they were holding out for a draw. When they were already getting bowled out in a day. And so they're already 3 0 down. Already 3 0 down. So, yeah. you know, it'll need to presumably shift. But yeah, again, the expectations here. So they had no captain, no coach. No chairman of selectors. Well, they didn't have a chairman of selectors, mm. full stop. Uh, no high performance boss. Andrew Strauss was kind of all these roles in, kind of, including kind of quasi-chairman, which they didn't have. CEO was on the way out. CEO was on gardening leave or on the yeah. way out. You know, lame duck at the very least in Tom yeah. Harrison before he formally pulled the pin. I remember you and I sat in, in your sitting room recording a weekly show and we advanced the idea that a caretaker captain might be required for this summer so not to burn the next one. We're like, well, maybe yeah. Broad Anderson could provide a great service, a great lasting service to English cricket. And in a summer where the World Test Champions are coming out, then India, whose bowlers bossed England's batters last year, and then the Proteas, a team seemingly on the rise with one of the best fast bowling quartets in the world, if not the best on their day. How on earth are England going to... <laughs> prevail in these conditions. Well, obviously we were very wrong. The attitudinal change and everybody's yep. spoken of it, but just hearing Brendan McCullum as well after play today saying that he will never criticise a player for poor performances. He'll only criticise them for the attitude they take. I was listening thinking, gee, I wish he was my captain when I was playing. It feels like <laughs> the best possible world to live in. You know, yeah. You're not going to get chipped for failing. You're going to get chipped for, for not yeah. playing the, the way the team has agreed to play. And it, 
feels like everyone in that dressing room has thoroughly signed up to this. So, yeah, he, he was a masterstroke uh, choices coach, and, and even he said he didn't want the job. Mm. We, you know, it was a left field selection from Rob Key, and even Rob Key, you know, no one was talking about him being an administrator six to nine months ago. So they got all those big decisions right at the start of the summer, and it's paid off big time. It, it has, hasn't it? I suppose that's what crisis can sometimes do. It, it makes you just wash away the thinking that you have before. I, I feel rather sorry for Chris Silverwood and Joe Root because inevitably lots of people are going to say, well, this just proves that Joe Root was a terrible captain and that Chris Silverwood was a terrible coach because the same personnel largely yeah. have overturned one win in 17 and turned it into six in seven against three very good sides. But, but I don't think it is that, is it? it it's that there's something unique has happened here in the relationship between Stokes and McCullum and their ability to communicate. And McCullum talked, didn't he, also about getting to know his players when he first arrived, getting to know what makes them tick, and saying, look, it's not the same approach for everybody. It's not the same approach for Pope as it is for folks, as it is for Bairstow. For Bairstow, it, the clarity of mind, to go hard. With Pope, to be busy. That doesn't mean smashing the ball everywhere, it means doing what you do best. And yep. he's very good at a rotating strike, looking for gaps, that's his, one of his great skills. For folks, it was the confidence to, you know, play his own game not panic not have thoughts going on in his head and um, and that's what it's really about that's with the bat with the ball it's a different matter that is about attack 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 and if you can describe it as anything as any kind of approach at all it is that if whatever situation you find yourself in it's take the attack to the opponent England went at 4.5 runs and over this year I think that's the highest they've ever done in the history of test cricket in this country and I've not looked at it, but I suppose their economy rate would have been much higher this year compared much to higher. seasons past as yeah. well. And again, going back to Broad's comments today, saying that the way McCullum drilled them, he's like, I do not care if you can see boundaries. I don't care how many runs you go for so long. And that's why Stokes kept the catches in. At times, yeah. it, was, it looked it's preposterous. Like, why have you yeah. got five slips in when it's 100 for one, or as yeah. rare as it was? But there were, even yesterday, it was 80-odd for two with five slips in. Because yeah. the way they framed it up was, well, we don't care if we go for runs. We want to make sure that if there is an opportunity, that there's somewhere there, somewhere there to take it. So that was the bowling side. The batting side, you mentioned two key players there, I reckon. Um, ben Folkes, who has been in and out of England calculations over the last few years. You can't imagine an England test side without Folkes in it now. And the high watermark for him, of course, was the 100 at Old Trafford. But the contribution at Lords in that first chase can't be forgotten either. The no, way he batted Michael. with Joe Root when they were right on the precipice of going 1-0 down in the series. And don't forget, there, and, was, there was a terrible tale to come. Because you know, England's tale for all of this has, has performed dismally badly. And his ultimate crunched the numbers. Yeah. So uh, that innings for folks when he was in tandem with, with Root was really important because over his shoulder, he's looking at they could be, they could go bang, 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 game over. So, you know, he's played contrasting type of innings, you know, one in which he supported Root in a run chase. The one with Stokes, he was he actually started faster than Stokes. He kind of put a bit of momentum into, this, into the, uh, the innings. And that's what I really liked about what he's done is that he's looked like a more uh, nuanced player, folks. And then Pope, of all the talk around you know, baseball and so on, mm. it probably hasn't, with the exception of Bairstow, who's his own case because of the, the history and 80-odd test matches, Ollie Pope was made to look a fool in Hobart this year. You know, yep. a I mean, you've watched him probably more yep. than anybody. I, I've, I've watched a lot of him as well here at the Oval. And you see him at the level below and you just, you're observing a cricketer who looks a cut above domestic cricket and it never translated. He played a lot of test cricket with an average in the 20s. You're like, well, when will it click for this guy? But the faith that has been shown in him to bat at number three, set and forget, the 100 at Trent Bridge, which mm. they desperately needed, the way that he batted at Lords in a losing effort on morning one, the way that he batted here, making 67 out of 100 and 
40 odd or whatever it was. 158. Yep. But yep. still, uh, when, I mean, it was a standout batter, wasn't it? No, a standout no one, batter. No one else got 50 in, in the match it, until it, Crawley had a, had a bit of a dip yeah, in the it, second it, innings. Until this summer, he was part of the collapse. He wasn't the one yeah. who was finding a way to prevail. And I think that, yeah, that comes down to the fact that they've told him, you are our number three. And look, Crawley's an interesting case on this as well. Um, as you were telling me before, the numbers aren't, <laughs> in context, aren't quite mm. so dire for Crawley now. And of course, he's helped by 69 not out from 57 balls today. When you compare it to other openers through the seven test matches this summer, it's a bloody hard job. Well, a, he averages 23 and, and all openers this summer average 22.91 or something. But so the, the gap between his best and his worst is clearly gigantic. And yep. whether he's a long-term test opener, I still don't think, think we know the answer. We're nowhere near to knowing the answer. It, it might be that this is the start of something, but we said that at Manchester as well. And his innings here two days ago, was he looked way below the standard he needed <laughs> yeah. to be. So, but as it is with Pope, they're backing in Crawley. He'll get a central contract. He'll go to Pakistan. I think McCullum said something like, we are providing players with confidence they're going to be picked rather than trying to chase form. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, this all might come undone spectacularly. It may not be sustainable. We might be having a very different conversation in three months or three years' time uh, through the McCullum regime. But to think they've won six out of seven this summer, yeah. um, you know, I, I put in my coverage this morning. You could write a book about this summer. Oh, uh, yeah. And someone probably should. It could be a home and away thing as well. I mean, we, we, we've got to be mindful that opponents come to England. And in fact, all test teams do. They get, when they go away, they get very little preparation time. When England went out to the Ashes, that their uh, warm-up game was rained off. They had like two days of field-out practice. It was ridiculous. Yeah. The New Zealanders got very little practice. South Africa played that one game against the Lions, but they didn't put out their, their full-strength bowling attack. Um, India had very little preparation as well against the Red Bull. And England... It, played better in their conditions they also adapted to the fact that these balls are rubbish and you know a lot of England's bowlers had bowled with those balls so when they when they came at Lords with these balls they were able to say I'll tell you what this ball's going to do it's going to do everything for 40 overs it's going to do nothing for the next 40 and they could be confident in developing their own game plan whereas you know South Africa would arrive what's all this nonsense about balls you know we're different that we play our own game you know they're very strong about how we're not interested in opponents well Unfortunately, you need to be a bit savvy about away conditions, and it's very hard for sides that don't get to play in those away conditions to be prepared for it. So I just want to like just put the ledger, just try and balance it a bit because sure. it just seems too mad otherwise. Uh, South Africa, we should speak about them briefly. We probably should have spoken more about them, but we're 21 minutes in and we've come this far. Yeah. Um, I said this on the weekly show the other week, and I don't resolve from it. It's possible we'll never see them play Test cricket in this country again. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying that's because of what's happened today, but. The FTP, they play about half the cricket Australia are going to play, a little bit more than half compared to England. Uh, then you, oh, Sorry, it's the other way around. England mm. play more than Australia, but South Africa way less than that. Um, the, they're being bankrolled effectively now by IPL owners. Um, we've already seen some of the highest profile South African cricketers choose IPL over country with respect to test cricket this year against Bangladesh in April. Um, I just don't know. This FTP might be the last FTP in, in the way that we know it. That is to say, the World Test Championship has been guaranteed till the end of this period. If it's not, and cricketers in South Africa on central contracts that are a fraction of what they earn elsewhere in the world by that, you know, those contracts that Australians and Englishmen and, and Indians and other countries too, but especially the, the disparity in, in what you get with central contracts. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm worried. I'm genuinely worried that despite Dean Elgar being a statesman on this matter and saying they want more test cricket, they want to find a way to be more competitive, remembering that they're still in the top two for the World Test Championship final mm. next year, which seems bewildering based on 
what we've seen from their batters uh, in this series. But but still, um, this this is going to be a very testing time uh, for those who love Test cricket in South Africa to ensure that it has a place when the market pressures are going to be dragging their best cricketers into being short-form professionals, maybe franchise professionals. Well, you know, I could get radicalised if it means that I don't get to see Marco Janssen have a full test career because that guy is a really exciting yeah. cricketer. And it has been a privilege to watch Rabada, Janssen, Norkia, uh, Gidi, uh, to see that, that four-pronged pace attack and how it gets on has just been, it's been beautiful. And you can't get to see that with a white ball, you don't get to see it in T20, you don't get to see it in, in ODIs really. Um, so look, it would be, tragedy is too strong a word to use at the moment, um, but it would be a, a terrible failure of the cricketing authorities if we don't get to see a team like South Africa do what it does best. And, and it has, traditionally what it has done best is one day cricket has been pretty mediocre since it came back in 1992. Well, they, they, Test cricket won. has been the thing that's really got us going. Well, remember that, you know, the... The rivalry between England and South Africa has been an outstanding one mm. until a decade ago. Brilliant. Well, they, they, the last time South Africa beat England was 2012. The first 20 years of readmission was a ding-dong battle back and forth. And actually, in the subsequent series, it's been close. England mm. have just pulled away a little bit the last couple of times. Now, I don't know when England are next year to play South Africa. 2027? It could be 15 years between South Africa's victories over England in, in Test cricket. And that doesn't reflect how good a team South Africa are and how exciting they are to watch. And, you know, England-South Africa series are among my favourite and have been for the last 30-odd years. So you're making me feel even more sad and elegiac about the end of the season than I was before we started this. Can we get out of here? Yeah, I know, right? It's I like, need I'm, a drink. <laughs> I, hope, I hope I'm wrong. I just, I just, fear, oh. that, I just fear this is the way yeah. um, that, that we might be drifting when, indeed, if South Africa are invited to come and play Test cricket again in this country. Uh, Final Word Hall of Fame. Mm. For the last time this summer, actually not for the last time this summer, we're going to be doing daily shows at the England-India One Day is next week, Daniel. But for the last time in this series, the Final Word Hall of Fame, brought to you by the Advanced Test Studio. We thank them from the bottom of our hearts for supporting uh, the program through the summer. It's made all the difference. AdvancedTestStudio.com forward slash final word. 15% discount. All you need to do is pop your details in and one of their professionals will look after you. 30 years in business. A million people have been through. You know, if you listen to this show, you know what I'm saying. Um, have a look and as we said before he's going to be in there over the closed season and get a nice little angle on your hair today if you're watching mm. on YouTube mm. it, like, I can't wait till you do that when we are back with advanced hair next year when you bend over and, yeah. and your hair looks just like Greg Matthews did all those years ago Greg Matthews yeah that, that, that's a role model to, to work <laughs> towards yeah you're right yeah we don't have many nominations who are 26 minutes of cricket well, uh, the, the Ollie Pope reverse that yeah. wasn't uh, and really that McCullum response as well saying well I would have uh, <laughs> I, I'm the only thing I was angry about. Didn't do it again. Um, so that that was uh, probably the, the highlight of the cricket that we saw. A the winning, the winning, the winning, runs, the winning were quite, runs were quite beautiful. It was a sort of classic Crawley. We're starting to see Crawley play beautiful shots with straight bats off the back foot. Maybe well, two of them. Well, are was... we going to sort of? Is that how we're going to remember him in the future? Not the booming drive off the front foot, but maybe the standing tall and hitting the kind of back of a length ball because that's going to be the one that's really going to annoy bowlers if he can hit top of off balls for four. That and the square drive, and I know, as yeah. they say at the Oval, the square goes all the way across. <laughs> Still got to time it though, and he timed it splendidly. Yeah. The, the shot yeah. that took him within six runs of the win, I think it was. Yeah. So yeah, Crawley uh, finding his straps and, and making it count, and being there at the end. There's something about yes. being there at the end of a test match and a test series, and Crawley achieved both today, and that will be our Hall of Fame complete. Indeed, that will be our series complete. Um, Daniel, it's been 
as always, a lot of fun doing this with you. You'll be Enjoy. back for story time, which we're going to record in a couple of days now for next weekend. Yes. Uh, on the weekly show, which will come out on Wednesday. I'll be recording that with the Mirror's correspondent, Dean Wilson, oh, making lovely. his co-hosting debut. We're going to record that tomorrow. Lots to get through in the world of cricket, as always. Can't stop, won't stop on the final word. Thank you for listening, if you or watching for that matter. Um, thank you for uh, supporting us on, on social media. Um, Patreon.com forward slash the final word. If you want to get involved in what we do on the weekend show on Nerd Pledge and all the rest, it'd be great to have your company there. And on the Discord page. This has been the final word daily for the Advanced Hair Studio. The world leaders in hair restoration. AdvancedHairStudio.com forward slash final word. Bye for now. You're live. I had to go about it.